He's the man in the back of the room. Y con la voz de Dios. He's told U.S. presidents where to sit, CEOs where to go, and stars when to shine. But as he likes to point out, Who cares? I care. It's true, she cares. And so does he. He's entertainment and production agency owner and meeting and event master, Anthony Bellotta. She's his Agent 99, and you're about to be Bellottified. Hi, friends, and welcome to another episode of Bellottified, the one and only podcast about events, entertainment, and engagement. I'm Anthony Bellotta. I'm here every week with the one and only, the very delicious, the always optimistic, you can't say enough about her, Alessia <laughs> Cristina Postaliri. Hello, everyone. Yay. Ciao, Bella. <laughs> so how are you, my friend? What's on your mind today? What's going on? What's the haps, paps? Oh, my goodness. Well, I'll tell you what's on my mind today. Let's get tipsy about those interested in performing for events. Today, the term guerrilla theater comes to mind because back in the late 1980s when I was a neophyte performing for events, it's what we called our work. After all, our shows were part choreography and part interaction, and the combination of the two gave way to a number of unanticipated occurrences all of which you'll have to contact us separately to hear about. <laughs> but I digress. <laughs> My point is that event entertainment can be highly interactive in that there is often little no barrier between the audience and the artist. If you're a budding young performer interested in working in the field, you'll want to bone up on your improvisational skills. The ability to respond favorably in an array of situations is critical. Keen social skills and a sense of humor also come in handy, as do humility, empathy, and adaptability. And if you don't know what those mean, look them up. And remember, those events that don't require interaction don't have a fourth wall either. Even when event entertainment is meant to be ambient, it remains within reach of the audience. Balancing the ability to acknowledge an audience without breaking character is the tightrope an event performer must master. And that is my tipsy. I love it. Why, thank you. You know what made it come to mind? Our, our guest today. Okay, before we get started, if you're a new listener, please take this time to like and subscribe. Go ahead. We'll give you a sec. Why, thank you. Well, let's bring him on, shall we? Please, have the honor. <laughs> so, yay, our guest today started singing and developed his love for music at the tender age of five. This led to piano lessons, which led him to teach himself whatever musical instrument he had around. I love his curiosity. He joined his first rock band at the age of 16, where he got his first shot at songwriting and composing. Not having time for a job between school and his band, he saved up for college, and you're going to love this, busking at Balboa Park in downtown San Diego. And while at SDSU, he created, during his freshman year, his current band, The Naked Eye. 
Although majoring in theater, it was clear after graduating that his heart was in music. And now he plays in no less than three working bands, as well as performing as a solo musician. But he does stay connected to the theater community, playing drums and orchestra pits for various local theater productions. And I wonder if we've ever worked together. Please welcome the diversely talented Dakota Ringer. Yay. Hi, y'all. I'm so excited to be here. Wow. Uh, we, we're excited to have you as well. Yes. Talented young man that you are. It's just really a pleasure to meet you. Thanks so much. Yeah. And, and Alex, you know, I, I really do. I mean, the more I've listened to the, the podcast, the more I realize how much of a theater lovers you are. So, I mean, yeah, I, I am uh, really interested to know if we if we have worked together. I mean, in some at least some sort of adjacent capacity, I'm not sure. I wonder. I hope so. We'll have to get together over coffee and talk about our resumes. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> no kidding. Right. Yeah, our primary credits. Yes. Yeah, no, it's, it's uh, the uh, the San Diego theater community is definitely uh, it's very small. It seems like everyone runs into each other at one point or another. So yes. uh, yeah, yeah, no, that's that's fantastic. I like that term, guerrilla theater, as well. Mm. Thank you for that. I don't. I wish I could say I made it up, but I didn't. Uh, but you know, if you like, if you like it, that's all that matters. But before we go on, Dakota, there are people in San Diego who haven't run into you. And for that reason, we have to start with something that we call 10 Quick Questions. 10 Quick Questions. 10 Quick Questions? Yay! Okay, you're ready to go. Alex has two minutes on the clock. 10 Questions. First answer that comes to mind. That's what we're looking oh, for. No, it's actually timed. My worst, it's my time. worst nightmare. All right, <laughs> let's go. <laughs> Two minutes on the clock and time is ticking. All right. Okay. Dakota, do you believe in magic? Uh, yes, in various ways. And certain magic, I, I agree with. Yes, there's definitely magic out there. Like there's the way that you can, there. you know, blah, blah, blah. I, we only got two minutes. I'll go into that later. Okay, we'll ask you. Which room in your house has the best acoustics? The, the one I'm currently in, my my wonderful, my office, my my little recording studio, my workspace. I try to keep it as uh, as nice. I mean, it's not the best. It could be better. I definitely do record a lot of vocals in the closet sometimes, but I'm, I'm working on it. I'm working on it. There are worse things you could do in a closet. Absolutely. Right. When was the last time you tried something new? Oh, um, uh, I'd say very recently, honestly. I, I started teaching uh, at the beginning of last year, and that was a huge... Uh, big hurdle for me i was always real nervous to kind of get in there and start teaching people just because i always felt like i kind of learned in my own way so um so that was a big hurdle that i uh, i finally stepped into and i've been loving it and I, i've really fallen in love with it god bless good for you all right you're offered a role in a broadway show without auditioning what is the show and role um hmm, that's a good question um it changes a lot, um, especially as I've, you know, as I've been aging and so on. One that I'm still, is still on my bucket list that I, I haven't done, to be fair, is, is actually ranked, believe it or not. I've played, I've played drums for the production four or five times, uh, but I've never actually been in the, in the cast. Um, and, uh, and I think, uh, you know, it would definitely be fun to, to play like a Roger or something. You know, it's definitely a, a, one of those, uh, you know, I found my niche in theater where I'm kind of the guitar guy. So I feel like that would be a nice one to fall into with and use my some of my rock voice in there. So, uh, yeah, Roger and Rent would be a lot of fun. Roger awesome. and Rent. Thank you for the alliteration as well. All right. <laughs> Have you appropriately thanked your parents for forcing music theory on you as a kid? 
I honestly, I have. I've come around to it. I definitely have come around to it in the in the in the mature years of my life. Uh, and I've definitely, um, you know, I yeah. I mean, I, I definitely uh, I, I leave a lot to them. They, I, I dedicate a lot of what I do now to, to what they forced me through back then, what they pushed me through. Uh, yes, but I know it was evil parents. Yeah, I'm glad they did too. All right, you've played in a variety of orchestra pits, as we said, around San Diego County. Which venue has the best pit? Ooh, um, you know what's the most interesting pit is, um, I've never played in it, to be fair, but um, Starlight Theater, uh, the old one, uh, has the one of the wildest pits I've ever seen. Like, I mean, in order to get into it, you had to essentially dynamite like a hole in the wall. And, and and just to like enter the ground floor, it was the funniest place I've ever seen, man. Um, but um, one of my, you know what? It's so funny, honestly, with theater a lot. There we have the orchestra pits been underutilized a lot. A lot of the time, they've been liking the bands on stage and being like really right. involved in the show, you know. Um, so I haven't been in too many like of the big pits. Um, San Diego Junior Theater in Balboa Park, that big Casa del Prado theater out yes. there, has a really beautiful one. Um, so yeah, I'll, I'll go with that for now. Okay. Although I, I have been in the Starlight Pit, and that pit does have something unusual in it because of the placement of Starlight under the flight path. And so it, it has a basically a traffic light, a yeah. horizontal traffic light in that pit, telling the orchestra and the singers when they need to pause and then freeze for the plane to go over. This theater, by the way, is no longer uh, a working They're trying. Theater. They're trying yeah. to get it back. I yes. hope so. It's I a beautiful so outdoor space. Me too. I think it's a great space for concerts, actually. Oh, gorgeous, you man. It'd be so cool. Right? Who's going to be bothered by a plane with a concert? You know, yeah, it's different no. with a, a show. Okay, yeah, I digress. Done, I've done a show as an actor at Starlight as well, so that experience, I'm very. It was a. It's a crazy experience. That whole stop and start. Uh, it sure is. Going. Yeah. It sure is, and it could really muck things up. You have to, you know, <laughs> you have to really work those pauses. All right. What is the most memorable live concert, festival, show, theatrical event you've ever experienced as an audience member? Hmm. Um, as an audience member, you know, um, I haven't been to too many festivals, like festival, three day, like festivals. I don't know, man. They haven't really been my jam. I'm usually too busy. Um, but theater, say, like, show, concert. Yeah. Anything? Yeah. I guess, you know what? Broadway show. Um, one of the most, um, and I, I've lucky to have done this show at this point now, but uh, I saw the production of once when it was on Broadway, um, in New York and just seeing, that show live in particular is just a, such a, a, a heart-wrenching show and the music if you just listen to the music like aside from the show like uh, you know it, it sounds just kind of like some kind of sad folk and you know whatever but when it's like tied to the really the message of the show and and seeing it live and then also all the actors of course play all the instruments and like each mm -hmm. each actor plays at least like three or four instruments throughout the show um and so when i saw that live i was like that was my first taste of like what being an actor could be and i was like oh my gosh i mean this is just it's opened up this is my my whole world i'll put into to one show you know um and so uh so yeah once was a that was a really formidable show for me when i saw that i, I could envision you in that show and you oh, do play yeah. a, a variety of instruments so uh mm -hmm. you've got that going for you yeah so i definitely that's another one that i would like to i would like to be in honest or i'd like to be a, a leader role mm -hmm. in it as well all right Somewhere so this is line. This is the next question. We're running out of time. If Mickey yeah. Mouse, if Mickey Mouse asked you to write him a custom song <laughs> for, for free, would you? So one more time, you said Mickey Mouse? If Mickey Mouse asked you to write him a custom song 
for free, would you? Whoa. Um, I'm going to say yes. I mean, just for the story, I think, you know, like, yeah. uh, I mean, right. I mean, you got to say like, I mean, Mickey Mouse, first of all, I'm taking this as literal as possible. So I'm assuming that the real life Mickey Mouse has walked into my room. Okay. And first of all, I have to get over the fact that there's a real life, you know, three foot mouse in my room. So we're going to get past that. But then once all, if all he asks for me is to write him a song and he'll let me live. Because at this point, I'm afraid for my life. That there's a four foot mouse. In my okay. Room. Okay. Okay. Then, then yes, I, I'm definitely going to be but right. as a mythical, if he was just a mythical being, I get a phone call from him. It's just the voice asking me, yes, I would absolutely write Mickey Mouse a song. Just to like, just to try writing in that Disney, like, canon, you know what I mean? Like, I've never tried really, really writing in that sort of like real, like, dream-like, like, pop style, you know what I mean? I feel like that'd be fun. All right. And then you could write a song about the experience of writing the song. Right. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, the backstory is already yes. there. It's, it's there. already yeah. there. What's the one thing you wish you could stop doing, Dakota? The uh, only one. The only one, one thing I could yeah. stop doing. One thing you wish you could stop doing. Ah, jeez. Um. Uh. Man, that's a hard one. Um. Because do, there's so do, many. Do, do. No, 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 because it's like or because there's like nothing. One, like one thing that I feel like I could really. I mean, I would say falling asleep early. Like I'm such a bad like. I mean, that's, I wish I could go, like, I, I want to go support, like, all my friends in the music business, like, all, every night, and, you know, but they're all, all their shows are till midnight, and, and I, I gotta work early in the morning, and I, I can't, like, if I'm, if I'm driving past, like, 11 o'clock at night, like, it's usually, like, sketchy territory, so, I mean, I just, I wish that I could, like, stay up and enjoy the, the music nightlife, like, better, and, and go out and support everyone. Uh, so that's something I wish I'd stop doing, is falling asleep at 10 p.m. every night, like, like clockwork. I wish I could tell you that gets better as you get older, but I, I can't. I just can't. Oh, no. Not for not some of us, me. but, you know. All right. And, for me from here. and last but not least, who is your favorite artist to cover? Who to cover? That's a huge one. Um, uh, man, it's been interesting, especially as I've gotten older, just because my voice is, you know, I've found different pockets of my voice and, and different styles that I feel like I, I fit well into that I didn't really at a young age. Um, I feel like um, someone that I definitely uh, fall into a lot is um, is like Jason Mraz. You know, uh, Jason Mraz, especially just a local San Diego hero, you know, mm -hmm. um, sort of a thing. So, you know, he's definitely a guy that I, I try to emulate whenever I'm singing that kind of acoustic pop style. Like his voice is always ringing in my head. Um, I'd say even down to, uh, you know, a little bit of the, the natural rawness of like, uh, I love singing Bill Withers songs, um, oh. just cause it, it's so, it, it's so raw and, you know, you can really just like have your fun with it. Um, and it's usually not too like musically confusing or whatever. So you can kind of just like really just let your voice riff on it. Um, and, uh, yeah, man, I, and, and his word, his, his words are generally so like, it's almost hard not to feel them when you're singing, you know, a lot of the time. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, as far as, you know, very, two di very different styles there, but yeah, I mean, definitely the, those are two of my favorites. Uh, I usually do at least one Bill Withers, one Jason Mraz, a show. That's for sure. Great. Well, thank you for playing 10 quick questions. I don't think that we were so quick. Absolutely no. not. Nope. I, but we I, did get I, a I lot of information. But because of the backstory around Mickey, I got to let it go.
That's yeah. why I didn't, I wasn't like pressing go. the clock because, you know, it doesn't matter. <laughs> we went down a weird hole at that point, took a little extra time. I'm sorry. Yeah. I do want to <laughs> say that I do believe he's more like five feet. Yeah. Oh, jeez, more terrifying. I know. There you go. I didn't want to mention it then because I didn't want to scare you more. <laughs> oh, yeah, I know. Yeah, this is going to be a hell of a song. It's so Mickey be... is taller than me, so he's at least 5'3". Oh. oh, man. There you go. He gets bigger every moment. <laughs> he's every just moment. getting bigger <laughs> and bigger. At this point, that's what the song is going to be about, just like yeah. Mickey growing in height. Yes, there you go. I love it. Well, thank you. Yes, no, that was awesome. So Dakota, we've talked just a little bit about theater, but you also are a solo artist. You also have two bands, right? Lost Villains and The Naked Eye. Mm -hmm. And uh, you play in the pits, as we talked about that as well. So you all and you also, as I understand, you uh, you are on several albums or you take part in recordings or you go to the studio and you're happy to. Be a studio yeah. musician as well. It took me a long time to get there. Just to ask <laughs> you, you're a studio <laughs> musician as well. Yeah, no, I'm, <laughs> no, it's okay. Get the definition out there for everyone that doesn't know exactly what a studio musician is. Um, it's you know, it, it's uh, yeah, that's definitely been something that I've I've been doing a lot more uh, in the past uh, five years or so. It's just kind of you know, I've 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 really just kind of settled on that one of my skill sets that I've really tried to lean into. And again, it, going back to just my my parents really force feeding me music theory back in the day. And a lot of that is because um, I always naturally relied on my ear. Um, and I've always just had a really naturally uh, good ear. And like, so what would happen when I was in piano classes when I was really young is I would I would just tell my teacher like, oh, can you just like play this one part for me, like, please or whatever. And then I listen to them play it. And then I would get the melody and I'd hear it. And then I'd like plunk it out at home without looking at the music. I would just like learn it by myself and so then i would come in the next day and like pretend that i practice it and i would play it the way that i like heard it but it wasn't quite right to the music so my teacher would be able right. to tell every time so right. it's something but anyway in my older age i've really you know continued to get music theory in there but really still develop my ear and uh so now i've kind of really it's really helped out with you know taking covers and requests and things like that as i can pick up a song really quickly or, you know, if an event or something needs like a special request song the day before or whatever, I'm usually really good at picking it up really fast. Um, so, yeah, I've tried to lend that to whatever artists in town need it, you know, and, and just with my array of um, trying to be as versatile as possible in my instrumentation so that I can kind of play with anytime anyone needs it, you know, and just try to open myself up to as many. Uh, I like to be diverse and, you know, play with a bunch of different bands. So, you know, I've done, uh, I've sat in with pop punk bands and pop punk and just normal pop bands and funk bands and blues bands and, uh, and even some metal bands, like seeing some backup vocals and things like that. Um, but uh, yeah, so, you know, just, uh, I like being a session player because it, it really keeps me diverse, you know, um, and that's, uh, and that's something I've always, my, my brain has always needed that. Could I just comment on the uh, the reading versus the playing by ear, which is what you're you're talking about when you talk about music theory, the ability to read the notes on the page and play them as they're written. And I'm glad that you brought that up because that distinguishes the kinds of musicians you might want to hire. Not that one is necessarily better than the other, mm -hmm. but if you're in a situation where you want the band to learn a new song in a short amount of time or to have an ability to take requests, mm -hmm. then the ability to read mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. comes in handy. And yeah. that might be a question you want to ask your musicians. Do you have the ability to read music? Because if that should come up, you want to know it can be handled. Yeah. Is- Fair assessment. Come to realize that, you know, pretty much any time I play with anyone now, um, I mean, it's so quick. You can tell so fast when there's a guy that's just a purely feel player and someone who actually has studied a little bit of theory because because music is just that. I mean, one of the things that I love about music so much is it's a universal language. I mean, anywhere you go, Mm -hmm. if you talk music theory to some, I mean, obviously, you know, being able to speak it in French or in Japanese or whatever is one thing, but right the the actual definitions of music theory are all the right. same everywhere you go mm-hmm. it's um, not it's not like the measurement scale right right, right. Yeah. Yeah. right. right. no exactly so i mean playing so three quarter three three quarter gram right yes. <laughs> right it's one of the few universal languages you know so right. it's like to a degree and so when i'm working with with new people uh, you know, it's so, I mean, obviously like, you know, a, a field player is great for a lot of things, but it does make it hard when it, he's the only one in the room, you know, that isn't able to speak that, that music theory lingo that every other musician kind of relies on. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so it definitely does make it interesting. Like when you're sitting in trying to, you know, like you said, like take a few requests, like the day before the gig and learn them real quick. And all the other guys are able to speak like, Oh no, no, no. I think this part is is, you know, it goes from the, you know, interval four, or, you know, it goes from the flat five to the blah, 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 or whatever. And then the field guy is just like, uh, is that the part at 45 seconds where mm-hmm. they're going, da, 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 or, you know, is so it's just, you know, and, and I'm not saying, like you said, I'm not bashing on that at all. Cause that's such a huge skill being able to play by mm-hmm. feel. And I know so many dudes that you would almost never know until you like really got into a room, like started talking with them for a, deeply mm-hmm. about music theory. And then you realize like, oh my gosh, you've just been making it up this whole time. That's mm-hmm. unbelievable. Well, uh, well I mean, there is, it is, oh, I'm sorry. It, it is good to people who have an ear. And I, I say this because I worked with a pianist, beautiful Juilliard trained pianist, amazing. Mm-hmm. But she couldn't follow a singer. Yeah, mm-hmm. And it, it, it's, she just couldn't do it right. because that required some listening and improvisation. So and, and she just, she couldn't do it. It's the combination of both. It's the mm-hmm. you know, it. the feel and the ear, and then having the right the education behind it to really master what it is. The knowledge. Mm-hmm. It's what makes you above. It puts you above all the other musicians because Agreed. the feel is so necessary, but it's not all. No, for it's sure. And like all in all. No, and like you were saying, Alex, it's like it's you know it's. Uh, I've played with a lot of people as well that, you know, they all, all they rely on is their masters and music theory and blah, 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 you know, there. And so, you know, you put a piece of music in front of them and they'll be able to read it like nobody's business. They'll right. fly through it. But as soon as you want to improv a little bit and jam a little bit and just feel it out, they become a completely different, they become a shell for a lot of the times that I've experienced. So it's, it, it is, it's having that nice, mixture of theory and mm-hmm. ear instead of going so hard into one or the other because once you go so hard into theory essentially at that point you can only be a session player or a pit player or something someone that just relies on they have to have a piece of music in front of them um, and you know you know when feel is most important in an event is when you're listening to background music and typically when it's by a soloist because a you don't want to see their face in a page of music and b it's not just about you know the aaba structure of the song it's about how it's played you can you know you can uh the embellish it. it the dynamic mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. and uh that's feel yeah, That's no, absolutely. All feel. 
And I have to say there's something really beautiful and compelling to me anyway, watching a vocalist and a musician. And when, you know, let's say we'll stick with piano for now because that's mostly what I've done, but you'll, you'll see a, a pianist looking, playing, and looking and listening and smiling and knowing. And it's such a beautifully symbiotic relationship. That in and of itself is a story that I like to watch. I agree. Yeah, you can go to one of the jazz jams in town and you can see a whole, like a whole story unfold in front of you that you never expected to see, you know? Um, And a lot of those guys are some of the more, the perfect examples of a mix of, they have, you know, all this deep music theory training, but like they do these jazz jams specifically to keep their raw bone, you know, fresh and, and free, you know, and just in their, their ability to improv and everything. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, yeah, you're right though. It's very, uh, I love it. I love it a lot. So, you know, uh, I read in your bio that uh, I might tease you a little bit. Um, you developed the need to be a rock, to be in a rock band. You developed the need to be in a rock band. And join your first one at 16. So I'd like to know what happened to catalyze that development. Why did you suddenly feel the need to be in a rock band? Well, so you know what? I think it was it was so much a natural progression from starting in theater um and and being also a musician is just, you know, what what's what's one way to combine the two things, being able to, you know, perform wildly on a stage and also play music, you know, is is being a rock band. You know, it's just you you see even like down to, you know, when I was growing up in the nineties and stuff, you see the eighties glam and all that, you know, it's just right. like, these dudes are just, these dudes are just actors, man. They're dressing up. They got makeup and costumes on and, and they're good singers. And yeah. like, I don't know why more theater guys aren't doing rock bands. And then you realize most, most of the big rock bands in town, their front mans were theater dudes, you know, like uh, a ton of them, you know, and it's just, and it's just so easy, you know, theater teaches you that natural charisma, you know, you have to be able to lead a room. You have to be able to, you know, just not, uh, be a chameleon into your environment. You know, it's just, it, it, it's, it is such an easy transition. So I really think that, um, again, just my, my brain is just, you know, I need to be doing four things at once. So I think it was just the, uh, I got, I had theater and I was doing theater every day and that was cool, but I needed to find some outlet to do music as well, but also utilize my theater skills. And I feel like just being in a band was the first, uh, the easiest, avenue that i could find um so yeah i i, I do I, I do i do say that it was a need because it really was like i just i just i was trying to find any band that would take me and i found a buddy of mine who they were looking for a keyboard player and i and i hadn't at that time i was really sick of piano and i was trying to do anything but play piano but i was like okay fine i'll do it um just let me sing too and then you know i just shoehorned my way in and and sure enough that was uh that was my band for the next couple of years cool and and now you have Lost Villains and The Naked Eye, two separate bands. <clears throat> yes. And, yeah, and why yeah. two, so the why, why two separate is, bands? Yeah. Well, so yeah, so The Lost Villains is, so, um, you know, for the longest time, everything was kind of just under the Naked Eye umbrella. And I feel like that really, that really hurt us in the long run. And we were young, you know, like I said, the first four years of, of the formation of the band, I was in college. So, you know, there wasn't too much... Um, we were able to do at that time, but we needed to make money. So we were definitely like doing events and things of that nature and playing these like three, four hour gigs. And we would just kind of sneak our originals in there and just, you know, and, and kind of take some discounts just cause you know, we would be honest with them about it. Like, Hey, you know, we're mostly an original band, but we'll play these blah, blah, blah. So it was kind of just that whole thing where we were teetering on that. We're actually an original band, but we need some money for studio time. So we were doing that whole thing. 
but then um, it really just, it mostly started to hurt our originals career, you know, because people were confused as to what we were, you know, they weren't sure if they should hire us to play a 45 minute set at the Casbah or if they should hire us for a four hour set at the tin roof in downtown or something, you know, so everyone was really confused as to our identity. So, um, so once I graduated college and really wanted to kind of make it more of a, a, a daily, you know, a professional thing, I, I split the identities and I just made sure that everyone knew that the naked eye was solely originals. We only play originals, you know, festivals, original set, 45 minutes to an hour sort of thing. Um, and then the lost villains in their in turn are the exact same members. It's all the same members as the naked eye. Um, and, uh, but we just, it's a whole separate, you know, identity as our party cover band, you know, that's specifically, if you want us for a wedding, if you want us for, uh, you know, a corporate event, you want us for blah, 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 playing at a bar for three hours, whatever that's, that's the lost villains deal. The naked eye doesn't do that. Um, so, uh, so yeah, it was that splitting of identities that I just really wanted to make clear of. That was a very smart move mm-hmm. it, it, for someone so young. Yes, it's planning out to be. Yeah, yeah, it really has. So that's why I, I it's hard for me. The Naked Eye's been around for ten years technically, but I really have trouble saying that. I think that it's we've really only been around for about the past four or five years doing it correctly. You know, right, right. Nice. But I have yeah. to say though, I, I I've heard I've heard some of the originals, and you you're doing it correctly. Thank uh, you. I Thank was you. really really impressed. Mm-hmm. Thanks so much. Uh, yeah, very much. Um, so Lost Villains, the format is 80s to the 2000s. Is that right? Yeah, or, you, you know, or do started, you stretch that out a bit now? Yeah, yeah. We started we started as specifically a 90s band. You know, we wanted to we wanted to, you know, just have a, you know, we were, you know, we we were used to seeing kind of like the, you know, it was a weird, we were kind of in between like a tribute and a in a variety band you know so that was kind of the line that we were trying to figure out so now we've kind of just been going more towards the the variety band kind of mm-hmm. 80s to 2000s just to kind of keep it our broad spectrum more open and honestly it just turns out that there's not that much uh i mean there's a ton of amazing songs in the 90s but there's not too much to dance to like with green day and foo fighters and smashing pumpkins and things like that like people love that but it's mm-hmm. not necessarily like corporate dance music right. you know what i mean um, right and so and so we we have that show available like you know you know if people want just the strict just a, a, an hour show of just the 90s grunge and and type stuff you know like just the green day just the pearl jam just the stone temple pilots then we definitely have that and that's kind of what we started as as our roots but then as we started working more and more in events and just you know taking requests and and knowing what just more in general people like to hear and just the the style of music we've we've definitely broadened that out um as as the years have gone on um so a little more classic rock but we we've still tried to keep it in that in that you know 90s to early 2000s we don't go much past like 2005 like i don't think we have anything past 2005 um we mostly like settle it's the killers it's the killers that like that's that's our our post 2000s band that we like to play a lot um it's really great though that you listen to the need and expand their you know based on that Mm -hmm. yeah yeah, it's all about the flexibility in events, you know, um, and and that's what I've really come to come to realize uh, over the past uh, few years. And like you said, uh, just staying humble and staying flexible, you know, is is just is two huge things that I've come to uh, to stand on in this in this business. Um, so so yeah, not and just not just not sticking to one thing too hard, you know. Like like you said, being being flexible, being uh, having a good variety, it seems to have gotten me far. So. 
I'm curious to know, did you actually study any improvisation in your theatrical background, given how flexible you are? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so definitely, I mean, uh, so even because in high school, too, uh, I was fortunate enough to uh, my parents wouldn't. I mean, they, I got a car quickly because they didn't want to do this anymore. But uh, I, I lived in La Mesa and went to Coronado School of Performance. Right. Yeah, we read that. Um, yes. And so, uh, so yeah, so, I mean, I, I was one of the, the kid, the first kids to get a car just cause my parents were definitely over that commute every morning and, and afternoon. Um, but, uh, yeah, you know, so I was lucky to even at a, starting at like 14, you know, um, doing kind of real like college level, um, theater classes, you know, and improv and improv and, and not in just the serious or not in just the funny you know, comedic way, but also serious improv, like, mm -hmm. you know, not dramatic improv, which is just as, you know, it, it's just as important, you know, I mean, you, it's, it's not everything about like, you know, if, if you do too much comedic improv, everything just becomes you trying to turn it into a joke, and you know, not everything can turn into a joke. Sometimes you got to just let things land how they how they should. Um, so, uh, so yeah, through high school and through college, um, they were there was definitely an emphasis on on improv and I was never like I never loved it <laughs> it was always like a very I mean it's it's one of the scariest things you could do I yes. mean to be fair I I I respect the hell out of improv artists and guys that make it their career to like tour as an improv so I was never on like the improv team but definitely lots of um emphasis in improv and, and that's a lot of callbacks too that I've found in theater is like a lot of callbacks will just be like like chemistry testing and things like that they'll mm -hmm. just kind of put you in another one of the actresses in a situation or actors and just let you go and just see if the natural chemistry is there, you know? And, uh, and so it's a, it's a very, having that improv skill in your back pocket is, is huge. And, and the events, like you said, in the events business as well. Absolutely. I love it. Cause you're, you're demonstrating the importance of improv improvisational skills in all areas of life, in music, in theater, in the corporate world, in dealing with people. And it is in my world too, in my very Greek world, it's very, very important. So we have a saying in Greek, min fovaste na aftoshithiasis, which means don't be afraid to improvise. Oh. And yeah, yeah, it, it, well, it is. I mean, uh, well, so an example, um, we Greeks are all about cooking, right? Everything is always a big Greek festival, a big Greek party, but we're very secretive with our recipes. And it's always a battle over whose spanakopita is the best. Oh, of course. So, you know, if your yaya or your grandma gives you her recipe, it means that you're the favorite in the family, but you can't share that with anybody. So I'm going off on a tangent here, but my yaya gave me her pastizzo recipe, which, you know, was huge because that meant I was her favorite. And so I one time decided to make it for her birthday. And I went into my recipe box, which was under lock and key, so nobody could steal the recipe, but it wasn't there. And I panicked, right? Because what am I going to do? I mean, that's the ultimate sign of disrespect, losing the recipe. So it's the oh, night gosh. of her party and I'm making the um, pastizzo. I've got a bunch of different recipes out there trying to figure out, you know, I've got them all online, which is the closest to Yaya's. And I burst, I'm in the kitchen and I'm burst into tears and Yaya comes in and she's like, agape mu, what's wrong? So I had to fess up and tell her that I lost the recipe and she just stared at me and oh. I waited. I was going to take it like a boss. I was waiting for the, you know, the slur of Greek name calling to come at me. And she just started to laugh. She's like, that was a recipe handed down from my mother's mother's 
mother, but it's terrible. And I don't even follow it. I gave it to you because you love to cook and you oh. love to cook. You know how to improvise to make the meal special. So don't, ah. she'd say, don't be afraid to improvise with your spices and make it your own. That's so sweet. That's really, really cool. I love that. Uh, yeah, and, and, and that and that is true even in my i'm the i'm the the chef in the house as well um so i i mean it, it definitely follows me into my cooking as well that's why i don't yes. like baking because you can't improvise in baking if you right except for baking, in, it ruins it. in greek baking you can greek baking <laughs> is very is not about recipes oh, okay <laughs> see i love that yeah, it's, it's not a, like if you if you screw up a little bit of the chemistry and the rise is all yeah, wrong right. and blah 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 but yeah so that's that's but i definitely love to cook i let the fiance bake Ah, because you know it's in Greek. It's not a cake. It's a cake. In the cake, Maria. <laughs> it's a cake. Uh, and no, also no, you, Anthony. It's a bunt. It's a bunt. Right. It's a bunt. Excuse me. I got that wrong too. We we've learned on this on this broadcast, Dakota, that when Yaya speaks, we shut up and listen oh, because she up. may she may be gone, but she's still here. Yes. Oh, she's watching. Right. Oh, exactly. Yes. Uh, so you, you're the primary, are you the primary songwriter for yes, your group for, for naked? Eye, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I generally have always been, you write meticulously. It's beautiful. Yes. The your music is, and I varied, do. very varied, uh, you know, varied feels. You also, yeah. you also commission original songs. Yeah. Right. So yeah. how does a commission song differ from one of your other originals? So. So the commission is interesting. So I'm, I'm currently, I'm actually kind of uh, one of my main uh, jobs right now. I actually, I, I worked for um, a banjo company for a long time um, and mm -hmm. uh, I was able to uh, quit that last year to, uh, I got asked to kind of just be a, a full-time songwriter for a, um, a, a bigger artist who uh, asked me to, to come on and work with him, um, you know, about 20, 25 hours a week, uh, just writing songs. And, uh, and that's been very interesting because, you know, it's obviously wow. the, it's obviously the, um, you know, and, and, and being a session player, cause he, he, he doesn't really play much. So having one guy that can kind of, kind of whenever he's hearing a bass part or a jump part or a piano part, like play it just all in just one person instead of hiring a whole team, um, which is what I've been building for is just to try to like, you know, take the responsibility of a whole team and, and be able to offer it as one person. Um, but um it's been anyway so it's been interesting working with him uh just writing songs for other people and having to you know take what you would usually do in a song in that situation and kind of put it in your pocket and maybe suggest it for later but really just listen to what he wants and um and adapt to that um and then uh but there's also been like you said kind of i have had a few and i haven't had many i've probably maybe only done this like three or four times um writing like I guess commissioned original pieces, like you said, um, where it hasn't really been like for an artist has been looking for like a um, a song or like they, they just need like that one filler song or something. It's been like specific, like, um, like really, it seems like it's also just like a separate business now. People are just doing this, but like hiring me to write like personalized song for their loved ones or like for weddings mm -hmm. or funeral or for funerals or whatever. And so for like one of the, the, the best ones and uh, still like to this day is kind of one of the, my favorite songs I've ever written um, is uh, I got asked uh, over quarantine time, over COVID time. Um, there's this, this wonderful production company called blind spot collective. And they, they do um, a mm -hmm. lot of wonderful theater projects in town. Um, 
and um, they uh, one of their projects was this project called Refractions, and uh, they got this this small grant to kind of do find um, people who had lost loved ones during the uh, quarantine time, whether it was through COVID, whether it was because of COVID or not. Um, just the problem was, is you couldn't really have proper funerals, you know, like it was all these zoom funerals and, and things like that. And so it was really hard for a lot of people to be able to kind of like really work through that, uh, without the kind of the proper celebration that they're used to. Um, and so one thing that they offered to people that were interested was, um, they had these, this roster of artists on hand and I was one of them. And, uh, you know, they if you had lost a loved one and you'd think kind of like, it was almost like a musical eulogy, I'd say like mm. it was, I got kind of like a 20 minute interview um, about the, um, a couple who had passed away. It was a, it was a husband and wife and they had passed away within like three months of each other um, and their family. Uh, it's a huge, you know, big Irish Catholic family. And they were so sad that they couldn't do the, you know, their, their usual big wedding or their big uh, funeral. And, um, and so they were hoping that, you know, if they had this song, they could at least like kind of send it out to everyone in the family and they would have this song that would kind of remind them of, of the couple that had passed. Um, and so it was a huge undertaking. It was honestly very scary. Um, especially a, a couple that I have actually hadn't known personally, really, you know, I, I, all I got was kind of a 20 minute, uh, interview with their, I believe it was their daughter or son, um, kind of telling some bullet points about their life and kind of how they met and, um, just little tidbits about them. And then, it was kind of just like, and then what's what style of music they wanted. And they were, they specifically wanted like Irish folk mm-hmm. sort of. Um, and, uh, and so, yeah. So based on, you know, just that 20 minutes of info I got, I kind of wrote, you know, a, a, a little song that just kind of encapsulated their love and, and, you know, the travels that they, they took and a little bit about where they met. And it was kind of just, and it was, I got to utilize my banjo for like the only time I've ever like gotten to write with my banjo. Um, and it was just this, this really beautiful experience. And, and I was so nervous writing it just cause you just never know how a family is going to take it when you're mm-hmm. literally essentially writing as mm-hmm. uh, you know, a story of their loved one's life in song. Um, and uh, when they got it, they just, they apparently just, you know, fell into tears and mm-hmm. they shared it to everyone. And then uh, they just, they couldn't say enough things. And it just like was this, this huge weight. And I just uh, ever since have just been more connected with that. So that's, uh, so yeah, I guess that's kind of more what I've done. And I've had uh, a couple more of those sorts of things as well as like personalized um, songs. So I haven't really done a whole lot of like, like other bands coming to me asking for, for songs. Uh, but that is something that I really want to do. It, it's one, it's honestly the avenue I'd probably love to be in most is kind of be a ghostwriter. Um, believe it or not, I love performing, but I also like love not performing like eight nights a week. You know what I mean? Like, or, mm-hmm. you know, just like touring the touring aspect of it right. all, um, is, uh, is something that's always kind of weighed on me, whether I'd love to like be a touring musician for six months out of the year, but I would love to write for touring musicians. Um, and, uh, and let, you know, other people, you know, take my music and perform in front of hundreds of thousands of people. Like that sounds fine right. to me. I know that, I know that a lot of people are, you know, really want that recognition, when they do that. And I understand that as well, but, um, yeah, I don't know. I, yeah, I just, uh, I, I really like am interested in that. Uh, so it's kind of something I'd like to explore even a little more uh, as I, as I grow up so much, so much to impact there. Yes. I know. Uh, for, firstly, if I might just say that, um, this is where the feel and the theory 
explode into something beautiful. And mm -hmm. that is the ability to commission a song for someone and have it hit where it needs to hit. Uh, that's where that talent comes into play. Yeah. Um, you mentioned that you're writing now 20 to 25 hours a week for someone and boom, I just exploded with, a qu with questions. First of all, can you, can you just write uh, on call like that? Okay. I'm working 20 to 25 hours. And I'm going to be writing music. It seems that that might be a bit difficult. Uh, is it, is it possible to say, okay, it's 12 o'clock time to start writing. I'm going to so, sit at know, the piano. How does that <laughs> work? hundred percent. The, the questions I had going into it as well. Um, I've, I've never really, uh, I've never really written in that capacity. Uh, you know, um, so it was, it was very interesting on whether or not I would just be able to kind of turn the creative juices on and off. And, um, and, and honestly, uh, it, it's been, it's been great. You know, it, it's, uh, and, you know, I honestly, right before I kind of started doing it, I watched the, uh, the Beatles documentary, uh, the one that they just released on Disney plus gosh, uh, what's it called? Um, maybe it was the get back. I can't, I, I think whatever the big one that James Cameron released. Um, but, uh, it was essentially just, you know, uh, like 10 hours of them just writing their last album and just sitting in a room. And that's how it was is, you know, they would get there about nine o'clock and they would all just sit down and write in a circle for and bouncing ideas off each other's and blah, 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 rehearsing and stuff for, and then they'd have a lunch break and then they'd come back and, you know, it was just very businesslike. And I was like, man, I, you know, and that's kind of when this, this artist that hired me, um, that's kind of what he referenced too. And he was like, you know, what's the, what's the big difference between, you know, bands that are just starting and bands that are already in it is like, you know, you, you see Taylor Swift and Beyonce and all these prints and all these huge artists that have a song, a songwriting team of literally 12, 15 people, you know, all credited on there. And, um, and, uh, I just loved that he wanted to have that sort of, um, back and forth on songs that he was writing. Um, because I do think that, you know, like it, being able to hear, being able to take ideas from someone else's mind and being able to incorporate them is, is huge in the writing process. And it's all, it's such a symbiotic relationship you have to have, um, as a songwriting partner. Um, and it sometimes doesn't, doesn't go very well you know what i mean and he he's you know he said that he's he's tried to do this with lots of people in the past but there's a lot of egos that get involved and, mm. and stuff like that when you're when you're writing stuff that you think is you know it feels personal to you every song that i write feels sort of personal you know um so it's hard when you your my whole job is kind of throwing out ideas that almost always get thrown down because i don't know what's in his mind you know right um, but right. trying to figure out what is in his mind and over the months that we've been working together it's become a lot like clearer um so uh so yeah so uh and and yeah and it, it honestly is great i've loved it you know just being able to have i've always said that you know i'd be able to write a ton if i just had like an extra six hours in the day you know and that's kind of what i've got you know it's just mm -hmm. six hours of time to just to just write and uh yeah you know it's it's been awesome you know, we've been able to get like 14 13 14 songs done in in a, a, a couple of months and uh we got a band playing them now so it's yeah it's all it's uh, it's definitely an interesting very interesting process that's for sure and you're retaining credit as well you're not giving away writing credit here you're you're so so yeah it's a whole it's a it's definitely big i have i definitely have percent but i'm not 50 percent. you know it's not because i'm getting paid like a, a week right thing. right so you know i took that i took that as you know unfortunately that's just 
how it's going to, if these get huge, then, you know, I guess that that sucks for me, but I mean, at least just having a percentage on something that gets huge, I'm, right. again, I'm fine with. What about the ideas that you spew out that aren't, he doesn't, he doesn't, uh, take to, uh, those you, are mine. <laughs> yeah, those are yours, right? Well, you yeah, those away and right. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, they're, they're not lost. It's been great. It's been great for the naked eye. I mean, I feel like, you know, it's, it's especially through COVID my, my writing muscle was definitely, uh, stunted, you know, it, it just, it was just not the, and I've heard that from even a lot of people that I've heard you guys talk to. Um, it's just like that, that original, that nerve in your brain is was just not there like when things were normal when things weren't normal and that's and like you know and that was one of those times where i was like hoping that i could have written three albums in that time you know what i mean i was like dude we're just sitting around like why couldn't i have what what did i why was my brain not letting me create but i don't know man it was just one of those i was just it wasn't a good time you know it was just right. it was too too much of an inverted just everyone just trying to survive and figure it out and my brain just wasn't ready to create at that time it was just trying to survive at that time um so uh so ever since you know the the past five months you know it's definitely having that you know six hours a day of of really having to flex it um has been doing wonders for uh for my original stuff in turn um just because again it's it's constantly being used so now i have all these throwaway ideas that i can develop for myself and um yeah it's it's been a really great uh relationship in that regard for sure for both for my original music and his and you know i think what uh, if I could surmise, I think what makes it easier to to create on a schedule is the fact that you're not doing it alone. You know, you have somebody there who is filling in the holes when you can't yourself. And when you have a team of people doing that, that's sort of the the, the logic behind it, right? Yeah. You might have, you know, eight people sitting on their fingers, but somebody has got an idea. Right, uh, exactly right. And one thing he was just tired of hearing is like, you know, I'm sick of of writing all these songs I think are great and showing my wife and my wife is always going to tell me that they sound good for the most part, you know? So it's like, he's just in this kind of like all the people that are around him daily, right. you know, or his wife and his kids, things like that, that always are going to tell him that it's good. So he's just in this, this kind of this Bubble. tunnel, this echo chamber of yes, it all sounds great. But then he's, he performs mm -hmm. it and he shows it to other musicians actually. And they're like, Oh, he should have done these things. And these, so he was like, it's nice having someone there all the time that will tell me, mm -hmm blatantly bluntly what they think instead of having a bunch of yes people all around me that love me and obviously it's nice you know it's love and support but when you're and, writing great music you don't need that sometimes it sounds to me like we're not just talking about the composition but also the arrangement yeah or, yeah yeah it's, i mean it's from start to finish you know i mean uh sometimes he has some ideas already you know but for the for the most part it's yeah it's it's completely just kind of from scratch you know and obviously like you know we all have as songwriters have like all these little throwaway bits that we're like what what about we try this and and so on and so forth but for the most part yeah it's uh, arranging is a huge part of it that's honestly most of the hours in the day is just um we'll, we sit down and once we kind of got the parts there like how to make it all seem interesting and and flow well but not too you know not too uh typical or not too you know you you don't want anything to be so ununique that it just kind of sounds like a you know, a canned three, three minutes mm -hmm. and a half, you know, so just right. trying to get that uniqueness in there as well. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it really has been a, a super um, cool um, experience to, and, and one that I, I know that I'm blessed to have fallen into. So you wrote a song called, you have a way of letting people down. Mm -hmm. The letdown. Was, yeah. Was that a custom song? That and was not, that was actually, uh, I'm, that's funny that you brought that up. That's, that's one of the first songs I ever 
I ever wrote for the na- the naked eye. I mean, I was, I think I was 17 and I was in New Zealand. Um, and, uh, it was, it was, uh, I was there for, it was my senior, like my, my parents had, um, had for my graduation present, uh, I had a buddy of mine that had family in New Zealand and he would go visit them every other year or so. And so I, I just thought that was so cool. And, um, my parents, uh, gave me as a graduation present some tickets to New Zealand. And so I had this really awesome, uh, winter break in New Zealand, but in New Zealand winter, uh, for us is, is summer for them. Um, so it was technically the best time to go is like December time. And, uh, in that two weeks, you know, there was a lot of just kind of, uh, sitting around with, uh, they had a guitar in the house and, uh, it was kind of the first time where I ever just kind of had some downtime. And I was like, man, I'm going to write like three songs at least, you know, and, and, uh, and the letdown was, uh, was one of the ones that came out of it. And it was, uh, I partially, I, I still wear it fully came from i'm not sure but i definitely like to uh for the most part i assume it goes back to a girl that i liked out there that uh i just knew would never be able to be anything because it was in new zealand and i live in san diego and it was all i'm only there for a week and a half so it was just a big letdown overall that you know it's just it uh i i wish that this could go somewhere but i know it's gonna just let me down at the end of the day okay dakota that is definitely a very this class is half empty story but out great, came this great, great song. song. Great yeah. song. <laughs> great song. Well, I was 17, man. I couldn't I couldn't right. think of wrap my head around the fact that I could potentially and especially even back then. I mean, Facebook and all that was just really getting big. Like, you know, nowadays it's so easy to to online date or whatever, you know. I mean, obviously it still takes a certain type of person, but not for me. I could I could tell even at that age, I don't think. But yeah, you're right. It came out with a cool song. Very cool. And you've done segments. You've done new segments. I, I want to say I saw one on KUSI. And I'd yeah. like to just um, I'd like to uh, recommend that when they have you on, they get your name right. So what they do is they say at the bottom, you know, they do a lower third and it'll say naked eye band. Yeah. And it really should say the naked eye oh, or yeah. the naked eye band. Because the, the 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 name doesn't work without. Well, you the... know what's so funny is, and I mean, again, this is this is unfortunately when I named the band, and now we're just so so far into it that we can't change it. But when I named it, and when I was eighteen, I was like, oh, then you know, we thought it was such a cool play on words, and oh, the naked eye. It's such a you know, at the time it was it was a quote from Siddhartha, and it's all about like the you know, the, uh, the naked self and like what, how mm-hmm. we were like, yeah, in music, you know, like when you write songs, it's like, you're wearing your heart on your sleeve. It's like, you're naked up there, like performing your true, blah, 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 all this really in-depth stuff. But really at the end of the day, all it's become is a marketing nightmare because no one wants to put the naked eye on any of their news na- networks or anything. Cause they're afraid that people are going to type it into Google and find a bunch of you know, pornography or something, you know, like it's, it's become a whole uh, oh. it's become a real it's, and and to be fair they're not wrong they're not wrong um, luckily we've 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 started to we finally are the top search on google for for most of the first page when you type in the naked eye but uh, i'm sure when we were when we were just starting uh the news stations typing that into google and finding some of the uh the sixth or seventh pages on there were a little scary. So I think that that's, I've always had to uh, just kind of be okay with weird little variations just for, just to get us on, <laughs> just to get us places. And that's also why the Lost Villains was, uh, honestly, that's a big, another big reason why the Lost Villains became a separate band, just so we could have a, a more marketable identity and name, I suppose, for corporate have things. Th- have you thought about changing the Naked Eye? It doesn't, by the way, it doesn't offend me at all. I love it, actually. 
Uh, and it doesn't offend it doesn't offend anyone but the you know like uh especially you know the uh i can't think of the the association right now that's the the radio and tv cleanliness uh you know what i mean it's uh, the it's fcc very, the fcc thank you yeah the fcc is very afraid of it um and especially it being written out for people to i don't know you know it's just it's all it's all politics um but uh I, yeah, we, I mean, we still like it. I mean, at the end of the day, and we, we still very much, we like the name. It's just become, I mean, especially with people misreading it and thinking it's the naked one or people just kind of stop right. it naked sometimes. And they just think it's just right. the naked and, you know, so on and so forth. But for the most part, we've broken through. Well, for our audience, I'd just like to let everyone know that I just did a Google search for the naked eye. And what comes up is your Instagram, your Spotify, quotes yes. yes. from the Bible. Your music on Apple, yes. The Naked Eye on Amazon, your article in the San Diego Reader. Yes. Uh, Naked Eye came from my mother's womb. I don't Whoa. know who said that. That's a biblical, that's a biblical uh, uh, reference. So yeah. this is what I'm seeing. Goodreads, the Bible, Good. and you. So I don't think anybody <laughs> needs to be afraid. That's what, I'm saying. that's what I'm saying. Um, yeah. yeah, we're hoping. You got a good uh, SEO. And now yeah. I know that there's a... Do you know the uh, the writer? You know, as theater people, you might know this. You know the vagina monologues. Yeah, I've done yes, it twice. She's done it. So that that author has also now written uh, another show so. called The Naked Eye, mm -hmm. um, and oh, so wow. now, like with the same, you know, the naked capital I. So now we've been uh, we've been fighting for for uh, right. <laughs> for top hierarchy of who has the more you know, easily findable uh, naked eye search, and so far we're still winning, but. You know, they, who knows? We'll see how many college campuses it takes to perform it before we're we're. Well, uh, honestly, I think it's genius because mm -hmm. you'll have more people typing in naked in a search than band, for example. So yeah. you'll get a lot more play, I think. I'm well, just and it's speculating. Been, nothing but, else, it's eye catching. You know, people rarely forget it because they just the fact that we were bold enough to just to put naked in our name seems to be right. uh, seems to be a catch people. I couldn't for bare naked ladies. Right. right. Exactly. Uh, I, I couldn't help but wonder who the naked eye was because it's not a solo. It's a, is it a four or five piece? I couldn't really figure that yeah, out. It's a, it's a five piece. Um, so, so who is the naked eye? I think um, so do you mean uh, in like uh, band oh. members or? Well, yeah, I'm, I'm making a joke because it, it refers to one naked the oh, naked yeah. eye and there's five of you so I'm, I was, well, we it was our, a bad we joke do have our, um, <laughs> we do have our uh, our uh, mascot iris and she uh, is uh, uh -huh. we do have a um we have a uh, some t-shirts with her and it's a essentially it's she's a an eye with a with a human body and she's kind of covering up her herself um but uh yeah so we have a literal naked eye uh named iris who uh, generally takes that because uh, there's no way any of us are getting ever are ever getting naked. And it doesn't matter that that's kind of the most ironic part about the whole thing is that we're just a bunch of guys that will never, ever be naked, but everyone sure wants us to do a naked show at some point. Ne so never say never. Eventually the right number will come across. The, you there know, you go. <laughs> there's a price tag for everything. For everything. It won't yeah. be for Mickey Mouse though. I can tell you that. <laughs> no, no now way. here's the thing. You'll definitely write for Mickey if Mickey is naked. Hmm. It would be a different. It would be a definitely <laughs> a different song or, or scene, though. That'd be for sure. It would change the context of it. Somehow, I think Disney Very wouldn't allow so. that. Yeah.
So we have come to the point in our show where we have to sort of get to the nitty gritty. Yeah. I hope you don't mind. Uh, and that's just five questions that we call the Bellotified Five. <gasps> the Bellotified Five. Yes. Are you ready? I am. I am sold. All right. Dakota Ringer, what is your golden rule? Um, my one golden rule, I don't know. I mean, I, I like, I guess I've kind of said it in the past, you know, in this interview already, it was kind of just, especially in the entertainment ability or in the entertainment business, like, um, really having, uh, staying humble and, and being empathetic. Uh, and I, and I think you said it earlier on as well, um, is just, um, those are kind of two of my, like my golden, you know, things that I kind of just try to always have in every situation just because you you just never know what someone's going through at that time or you know you, you never know you know how you know what orders they were given to pass down or you know if they were you just never really know a person's situation so just trying to trying to stay mm-hmm. as uh empathetic and then just humble as you can just to it just makes you more approachable i think in that regard yes and likable yeah uh, you know right what is the one daily habit you have that you strongly believe contributes to your success? Um, that is an interesting one. Um, I'd say it's kind of, kind of similar to being humble, right? Like just kind of being appreciative uh, of every, of everything and everyone. And just, you know, like, and, and, and always just be grateful for the opportunities that I get, you know, like, um, and I, I, I just try to never take them for granted. And just, I, I just try to never let anything be, you know, I try to never let myself be too cool for a situation. I just think that any opportunity that I get, um, is, uh, is really great. And I try to, you know, be, be appreciative, uh, in, in whatever fashion I can find, um, you know, there's, there's usually some good from, from doing it. Um, and, uh, yeah, so any, and anywhere I go, I just, I've always been known as the guy that just says, I, you know, I appreciate, appreciate you, appreciate you just to everyone. And, uh, people always ask me why I say it so much. I was like, I, I mean, I just to show just a little, it's just an easy thing to say, just to show that mm-hmm. people just know that they're, they've been heard, they've been seen, they know their efforts have been, uh, have been made, you know, aware of. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I think that that's, that's kind of one thing I always try to do. Well, that nice. practice of gratitude, uh, is, right. is very important to yeah. happiness too. It really does work if yeah. you practice yeah. it. Uh, when no one is listening, when no one is listening, what do you tell yourself? Um, that that could get deep real fast. But um, for the most part, um, you know, I guess um, even even still kind of in that same vein, like stay humble, but also you know, know, know your worth, you know, like it's, you know, I've done, I've, I've worked really hard, um, you know, and I've done a lot of like, you know, I've done a lot of free work and a lot of just, you know, performing on the street and, and things like that. And so just, you know, trying to just to, you know, really just, just realize that I've, I've worked hard and I've grinded for kind of where I'm at right now. And, um, and there's still plenty plenty to go um but you know just just trying to make sure that you know my 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 time is worth a little more after all the you know after all the the grinding that i've done you know and and all the sacrifices i've made and so you know obviously like 
I try to really, I'm trying to just be a yes man and try to just take any opportunity I can. But sometimes, you know, you just, you have to, you have to know your worth and, and say no to something every now and again, like just to, if you can eat some rest or something, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Just like, just rest. I guess that's honestly what it is. It's just, I tell myself, Hey, just slow down for a second, man. Like right. just maybe take this night off. Right. Um, and yeah. it's it's important to really listen to yourself yes. when you get to that point. Right. Uh, and it's easy not to. It's so easy to just disregard what we tell yeah. ourselves and, oh, we can power through this. We can power through this. And then yeah. there's a click and we there's no turning back at that point. Yeah. Absolutely, man. So and I've good seen for it happen you. with so many. I've seen the burnout. I've seen it happen so, so often. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially in with touring artists, that's why, like, I've always had kind of a fear of, of doing that seven months of touring out of the year. I've just seen it burn people out so hard. Um, and it's just something that I've always, you know, it's a, it's a huge factor. You got to weigh a lot of life factors into you into when you're making a decision like touring for seven months. And, mm-hmm. uh, like I've always wanted to do cruise ships and things like that. But again, it's like, it's a whole thing. You got to leave. I mean, you can't even have a house or, you know, you barely have communication, you know, it's just, it's a tough six months, even though you make a good amount of money. We, we could talk about that. I've actually done that. And you're absolutely right. It's a, it's a very difficult existence. You can save money like nobody's business, but it's, it's the day to day that gets to be very repetitious and uh, monotonous on those ships. But I digress. What is the one change you'd like to see in the world? Ooh, um, honestly, I would like to see art be art be appreciated more again, you know, like, and I think that it's kind of, I don't know if that's a, a basic answer you guys have been getting, but it's a huge, it's a huge one for me. And just that, uh, you know, even with things like, uh, with speaking of starlight theater, for example, like just, um, starting to, to see that art really matters in a town and that it's, it's a huge part of people's happiness and, and entertainment is a huge thing. And, you know, I, it's always the age old question of, you know, where would we, where would we be if we didn't have trained actors and singers to, to provide this entertainment for all the people that don't want to be entertainers, you know? And, uh, and so why that's stifled in our school systems and why it's stifled in, you know, in our budgets and things like that. It's just, uh, it's really, it's really sad to see, you know, especially where I feel like it's just the same of on par with kind of how sports provides and entertainment and sports are always the things kind of getting way more of the money right away, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, Whereas if you really think about it, I mean, actors and singers and musicians and stuff provide, if not more entertainment than sports every day, you know? Um, Well, it's the uh, art of storytelling and civilization is based on storytelling. Right. It always has been. Um, And so it's so important. So, and so when I went to like, for example, I, I took a trip to, I studied abroad in England for six months. um, But, uh, and I, so I got a little bit of a taste of this, but they have literally, you know, a thing called the national theater where it's, Mm -hmm. it's government funded original projects. And it's, and we don't have anything like that here. You know, it's, we, every original project that's ever created, it has to be like crowdfunded or, you know, you have to write up this, this huge grant and go through all these loops and, and things like that to get it done. Whereas, you know, that in England, there's just a part of the government's budget that pays for new work to be done and created and, and they want it to be. Uh, whereas, you know, in American theater, so much of our of, of the theater community is based on like performing old shows that that make money, you know, because every mm-hmm. theater is a business as well. So, I mean, every now and again, 
you see a theater doing Grease and for a fourth time, you know, in like five years, and and you wonder why. And it's you know they they need to make money. Sometimes these like these tiny little original shows, they don't they don't make much because no one knows the name. There's no so um, you know in a place like in England, you know where they actually have they really want they try to support that they try to support new works and, and things like that. And I feel like, yeah, I just, I, I feel like the in general art is just um, really being the whole community is just being stifled. And uh, it's kind of, I feel like maybe it's on the rise a little bit more recently. People have kind of made more awareness of it, but it's still like a lot of just guerrilla, you know, small foundations trying to keep it alive. You know, um, I, like, I can't, I can't help but wonder if uh, television and social media has helped the demise of true art because we've just so many eyes are mm-hmm. on real life nothing. Yeah. You know, we're watching mm-hmm. people argue on television basically yeah. w- for no reason, with no point, with no message. And that's where our eyes are affixed. And yeah. I, I can't help but wonder if that's part of the problem. You know, no eyes on the art, no reason to create the art. Right. Yeah, no, that's true. And I mean, that's why now there's a whole separate. I mean, it's I guess it's kind of a two sided coin because now there's there is a whole subsection of artists, quote unquote, that are getting huge on TikTok for their for their sketch comedy or their their original songs or or they're dancing or whatever, you know, so there, it's just, it's just different. And it's not one that I love. I hate, I, I just, I'm not a big social media person. It, it, it takes a lot out of me to like, try to post something every day, you know, like it just, it feels like a, it feels narcissistic to me, even though I know it's not like, it's just part of the business. You just have to do it. Um, but it's just a hard thing for my brain to get into just posting about, about myself like four times a day, you know, uh, but that's kind of just the new way. That's where art flourishes nowadays is on social media, unfortunately, um, or unfortunately, fortunately, however you want to look at right. it. Um, but uh, but, you know, it's just different. You know, it's it's just it's different. But I'm happy for the younger generation to get to grow up in it and really like, you know, take and strive in it. And, you know, and there's there's so many more ways to become little pockets of fame and make money without being like a you know, a rock star or anything. You can kind of just have like, you know, your 50,000 followers on TikTok and make a decent living. You know, it's interesting. But but can you? Uh, but huh? can you? You could make decent money for a time, but can you make a career out of that? Well, That's yet all, to be at seen. At that point, you just become a bit like a, a business person. You're you're getting money from sponsorships and ads and things like that, you know. And then so you have to be willing to morph and change and grow. Yes, and, right, exactly. Yeah. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So I I wonder, because, you know, the the jury is still out how long these careers will proliferate, because, Mm -hmm. you know, we're still kind of amused by it all. But does it have lasting power? I I think absolutely not. But we'll see. Like you said, we'll see how it goes. But yeah, Mm -hmm. that's 100 percent the the other side of the coin. No doubt about it. Mm -hmm. It's a longevity. You just never I don't I don't know. Right. So lastly, last question of the day. What is your why? Most important question. Why? Why do you do what you do? What motivates you? What inspires you? What is it? Hmm. Um, you know, I guess um, I've just, it, it kind of started at like a, a young age. It's just like the, the a thing, the way I see music and theater and art in general, just be, such an outlet for for people you know like in general like whether you're being the artist on stage or whether you're the per, the person watching like for the most part like people go to these events as like an escape 
you know, and, and it's a so, sort of a cliche answer, I suppose, but it just, it really feels like, you know, it, that's that kind of magic that I sort of wanted to bring up in the beginning where you asked does magic exists. And I, I do think that it exists in the theater and in, and at concerts and things like that. It's, you know, it's not like practical magic, you know, like where it's, you know, obviously like making a rabbit disappear for real or whatever, but you know, it's, it is a sort of magic in that you can, you can flip an entire person's day mm -hmm. on its head with one performance, you know? Um, and I thought that was just insane that, that, mm. you know, you can go into a room and transform an entire audience mm. with your performance. Um, and, uh, and so that's why I like to, I, I mean, perform in every aspect that I can, what music theater, uh, in the studio, you know, anywhere, you know, I, I've just tried to, I just, I love just the art of performance, um, you, and what it can do, you know, you know, I, I I, 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 we can't end on a better note. Yes. What you just said perfect. is perfect. Most, I shouldn't say most, a lot of people get into the business mm -hmm. because they want the focus on themselves and they forget it's not about them. It's about the audience. Very rarely is it about them, yeah. Right. And you get it so brilliantly and that's why you're successful at this young age and your career your star will continue to rise because you. you're not in it to be self-serving you're in it to shed light bring joy change somebody's mood your focus is in the right place dakota ringer yeah. and thank you for thank sharing you. that really terrific thank you no i appreciate that thank you so much yeah and that is really what it's all about especially in events you know is just um you know, you're not supposed to a lot of the time be the center of attention. You know, sometimes you're just, you're the ambiance and, and you have to be okay with literally no one clapping sometimes. Like, you know, you might finish a song and, and sometimes, you know, a, a, a rock guy, someone that's only done rock bands or whatever, they're expecting big applause after every song or whatever. And it's like, you know, sometimes it's not what you're there for. Sometimes you're there to just like, you know, be the speaker in the corner, just, just creating the atmosphere. And that's just as important sometimes as being the main focus, you know? Um, and may, so, may yeah. I say that when 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 you are in the corner, being the background, and you do get applause, that says a whole lot. Yes, absolutely. it does. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Dakota Ringer, we'll be working with you and more. We look forward to seeing you on stage in a concert setting, in a theatrical setting, and yeah. a combination of both. I mean, you got the chops. And thank so yes. we look forward to seeing more of you. Thank you for joining us today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I, I look forward to working with you guys more as well. Thank you. Awesome. Hey, thank you for listening to Bolotified. If you haven't already, please like and subscribe. And remember to leave us your questions or comments at bolotta.com backslash podcast. Bolotified is a production of Bolotta Entertainment. Hey, that's a lot of Bolotta. Stay engaging. Mm -hmm.